Sunday, it is October 10th, and welcome to Zoom with Zarni. I'm very happy to have today on my program, Jana Rogers. She's a teacher uh, and education professional and music, uh, a musician who's running for county legislature out in OCL5, which is the north uh, eastern part of Salina and the southwest corner of Cicero, uh, as well as the north side of Syracuse and a little election district in DeWitt. Uh, her district is the Crab District. This is the district that's made famous 10 years ago at, for one of the most heavily gerrymandered districts uh, to contort these districts into a way that would uh, give the Republicans a supermajority 10 years ago. Um, and uh, she's an excellent candidate. Uh, she's been working very hard and raised uh, a, you know, a money in a competitive race. And I'm very happy uh, to bring this interview uh, to you. Uh, later uh, today, or later this week, we have a couple of things going on. On the 13th is the deadline uh, for voter registration uh, for changing your address. Now, if you're a new voter, you had to do this the last Friday, but if you are just updating your address to somewhere in New York, you can do that if you're already registered in New York by the 13th. You can do that online at the MyDMV or uh, by mailing in a form or by uh, coming down to our Board of Elections uh, between now and then. You can go to onvote.net and uh, check your registration anywhere in New York uh, and see if your proper registration is in. And if not, you can submit a form before the deadline to make sure that you're in the book and able to vote on the machine on election day. Um, otherwise, you'd have to vote by affidavit ballot. Also coming up is uh, redistricting. Uh, the new redistricting commission has been seated. Uh, the Democrats chose a PhD in geography, uh, Sharon Morin, uh, to be part of it. The Republicans have chosen, uh, uh, along with the two elections commissioners and David Knapp, uh, the personal attorney of uh, Ryan McMahon, or the candidate or the campaign attorney of Ryan McMahon, uh, partner in Smith Sovic, and uh, the owner of Mull. Mulroney's and a couple of other bars, uh, as well as the, the Republican representative. Uh, they, we will meet on Wednesday, and uh, hopefully I will uh, you know, have an update for you on the, my next Zoom with Zarni on Thursday on how that went. Uh, and maybe we'll even know when the public hearings are going to be, uh, since they seem to be rushing this process along. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, early voting starts soon. Uh, next, uh, two weeks from yesterday, early voting starts, as well as uh, absentee balloting is happening right now. You can request an absentee ballot uh, and uh, get that uh, up until the 18th. Uh, you can request online at onvote.net. Also, please keep in mind that if you're going to vote in person this year to wear a mask, we will be in enforcing the masking guidances from last November. A press release will go out sometime this week on that. Um, as we got guidance from the State Board of Elections, and since Onondaga is one of the highest risk uh, uh, in transmission area, we are uh, enforcing our masking mandate from last November that any vaccinated or unvaccinated individual has to wear a mask inside a public space. And in fact, many of our polling places are schools or uh, town halls. So, um, you know, they already have these masking uh, mandates in force. So 
we'll be following those for all polling places in Allegheny County as well. But now, please welcome my guest, Jana Rogers, teacher, mother, educator, musician, who's running for County Legislative District 5 in, uh, in the northeastern part of Salina, southwestern part of uh, Cicero, as well as uh, a part of DeWitt and uh, North Side of Syracuse. Enjoy. And I'm very happy to have my good friend, Jana Rogers, who's running for County Legislative District 5. Uh, that is the Crab District, we call it. Uh, it, it starts in the uh, northeastern corner of, uh, of Salina and goes into the southwest corner of Cicero and then dips into a little bit of DeWitt. Uh, and uh, Jana, thank you so much for coming on Zoom with Zarni. Thank you for having me. Oh, you you got parts of the city of Syracuse in there too, right? I have seven blocks of the north side. <laughs> what a ridiculous! Hey, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll we'll get into uh, that how that district came into shape. But uh, Jana, um, I you're a first time uh, candidate, uh, a teacher, a mother. But I think you know, I think and I know you've been out in your community and and working so hard. You've outraised your opponent. You've uh, you've uh, you're you're hitting the doors. Uh, but I think a lot, you know, there'll be a lot of people who might be watching this and say, who's Jana Rogers? And, and so tell us a little bit about Jana. Sure. So uh, I originally grew up uh, just outside of Albany and we moved up here when I started high school. Um, I went to Liverpool High School and um, from there I went to Catholic University in D.C. and came back home to Syracuse after that and have lived um, in Liverpool and Clay ever since. Um, and I'm a longtime lifelong music teacher. I've come from a family of teachers and educators. Um, so I was a music teacher for about 10 years and then switched over and now I'm a school administrator. I'm a high school principal. And so um, part of that is listening to families, working with families, um, getting out into the community and serving our community. And um, through that work and through a lot of the volunteer work that I've always done to support our uh, local candidates and um, national candidates as well, uh, it just all kind of connected and made me want to uh, better serve our community um, through running for office and serving the county ledge this year. And, and that kind of goes into uh, uh, the what I want was my next question here was, well, why are you running and why county ledge? What 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 has brought you to this race? Uh, you know, specifically since you are a first time candidate, I know you know you were leading that way, but why this year? Why this race? So um, you know, truthfully, I had to to learn a little myself about what county ledge is because I feel like it's one of the best kept secrets um, in our local politics and and a lot of people don't know what it is and and what we do so um, that is something that I'm working really hard to to correct and make sure people know who is representing them and what functions does the county ledge do for our community because it um, has a pretty wide reach and people don't even know about it so 
leaning more towards transparency and and getting out there and serving our community in a way that you know makes sense for our communities and people know who's representing them and they know what they're doing for them yeah i i i've noticed that too because you said county ledge is the best kept secret and i think that's by design uh, right. unfortunately uh you can see that in the way they handle their districts you can see that in the way they uh, the incumbent legislators, anyways, um, on the on the Republican side, especially, don't hold town halls. They don't have community meetings. They're barely uh, in the community. What has your been your response when you've gone door to door, you know, in your district? What what are people telling you? So the biggest response I get when I go door to door and I tell people I'm running for county ledge is, "What's that?" Yes. So it's it takes some education, which you know, luckily is my field. <laughs> you know, we talk about that. What What is County Ledge? What do they do? And how how can it benefit um, our constituents and our, our voters? And what do they need to know about County Ledge? Because otherwise, um, you know, it's just this kind of man behind the, the wizard's cloak that no one knows is happening. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's, you know, the county budget has 1.4 billion dollar budget, and uh, and and yet, and probably has more of an impact on people's day to day lives than their state or uh, federal or even their local town board uh, elections. They, the county spends so much money across the county, and and, and the county legislators are the ones who uh, decide where that goes and where it doesn't go. Um, what are what are some of the things that you think can be improved in county government? Why? You know, what are you hoping to do um, you know, or what are some of the issues that you don't feel is being addressed right now? Well, I think uh, we've already touched on one of them and that's transparency. So making sure that uh, our constituents know what we do and who's doing it and when we're doing it and uh, making those meetings more readily available to people um, is a really big one but also you know we're in the middle of a pandemic and so we've got a lot of work to do with recovering from that pandemic um both physically and mentally and fiscally and so we we this kind of exposed a soft spot uh, i think for our county and i think that we have a lot of work to do um, to make sure that we're prepared for the next uh county uh, I'm sorry, for the next pandemic and um, making sure that our healthcare system is prepared, making sure our mental health care system is prepared because uh, we're, we're severely under serviced right now. And then making sure that our daycares and, and all of those things are running and um, people can keep going to work as needed. You know, what we, we faced a, a huge, huge burden as folks weren't able to get um, daycare. Um, and when our school shut down, you know, what do you do with your students? And uh, what do you do with your children? And that has to be addressed so that the next time this comes around, because we all know it's going to keep coming. Um, how are we going to move forward from that? And how are we going to help people? You know, we need, we, we did a pretty good job with renters assistance. I think we could do better making that word get out and making sure people know that it's there, that help is there. The same with um, the small business um, loans and things like that. But we have a lot of work to do to still recover and, and we're still kind of in the thick of it too. So making sure we come out of it okay is really important. 
Yeah. And your district has actually been kind of the focal point of how we spend money. Uh, you know, the federal government gave us money with the American Rescue Plan and uh, uh, in all counties and cities across the nation finally have some of the capital they need to address some of these issues that you brought up. But the county executive and the current county legislator in your district decided that, uh, that uh, was it $25 million of the American Rescue Plan uh, should be used, funds should be used from that to, um, uh, to build a, uh, a, a, a uh, collection of, of uh, athletic fields in Hopkins, uh, by Hopkins Road, which is where you live, I think, right? I mean, you're right around the corner from there. Uh, and with no real community input and, uh, and just announced that they were doing this, and this is on top of the $20 million in funds that they're giving to Osita to take people's homes up in, uh, in the White Pines Business Park to attract a business there. And then you know, the aquarium money isn't the American Rescue Plan that they announced, but it's $85 million that the county's gonna spend build an aquarium and i think that has brought a lot of questions of what are we doing to help people uh you know that that are affected by this pandemic um and how do you feel about those issues and 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 and, and, you know especially the the field that is you know looking to be located right in your district yeah it's it's almost literally in my backyard so um that I read in the newspaper as a surprise, uh, and as did all my neighbors on my street. Um, and you know, that was a punch in the stomach for sure. So, you know, we have a great park there on Hopkins Road. Um, it's literally in my backyard. I can hear the cheers uh, when I'm outside gardening. Uh, and it is in use. It is in use as a baseball field and a softball field quite a bit. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of details that hasn't come out about that. There's a study that was paid for um, with county funds that have not been released. And so there's a lot of questions that are raised. And honestly, I think if we had some open and clear communication and transparency within um, the county, then some of those questions could be resolved one way or the other. Um, but to suddenly, as far as I last knew, this was supposed to go in a brownfield. Um, and I'm not opposed to the idea of, of a sports complex. I think there's a lot of questions out there as to what we need in our community and what will draw people into our community. I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, but it's gotta be a, a, something that's gonna make an impact. And you know, I have serious questions as to whether 10, uh, 10 fields are really going to make an impact. Uh, you know, I, I've been to some travel soccer events, tournaments, and they have upwards of 30, 40 fields um, and parking that looks like the state fair parking to accommodate that. And this, this field at Hopkins is not that. And there's not, certainly not enough parking in the, the sketches that were shown um, in the local media. And, and certainly, you know, the traffic on Hopkins can't handle that volume. And so that, those are the volume um, numbers that were produced um, 
when talking about the economic impact. So they're talking about thousands of people coming every weekend, thousands of hotel rooms every weekend, which is possible, but it's only possible when you have that big a facility of you know 30 to 40 fields. And we don't have the space for that on Hopkins. So then that leads uh, a lot of questions. Are they planning to take over other, other space? Are they planning um, other things that we don't know about? Or is this just not really feasible because it's not in the right scale? So again, we need more information and, and certainly neighbors and businesses along Hopkins need more information about how it's gonna impact them. Um, and is, is this really the right location for this? Um, and you know, just kind of dropping it out of the blue like that is certainly not appropriate. And honestly, it's not appropriate to have this, the source of funding that it has. So we need that relief money to be focused on relief and not on um, big grand projects. I, I'm not opposed to big grand projects if they're actually studied and shown to be worthwhile. Um, the aquarium project, you know, they tried something very similar in Rotterdam and, and we should take a real close look at that um, to see if that is gonna have the same kind of economic impact we think it's gonna have. Um, I, I feel like what's happening right now is we're trying to take projects that have worked in other places and put them here, as opposed to really communicating and delving in deep with our community and getting to know what resources we have here and what will work for Syracuse, what will work for Onondaga County. Because just taking something that worked, you know, in some other town and plopping it down here, that's not going to be the answer for us. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important to, to, to note that it's not that people are saying, no, we don't want these projects, is that it should be done in a transparent way. The neighbors found out about it in the paper. Uh, the neighbors have not been discussed, you know, talked to. The, supposedly, there's a feasibility plan that nobody has read. Uh, so, And when Ryan McMahon... It's not available to read. Yeah, it's not available to read. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not putting it out there. And when the county executive... When these funds were first announced back in March, he was in the paper saying that this was going to be in a brownfield in Syracuse. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of a campaign season, in a very hot race, it just happens to be now located in a district uh, that uh, is, uh, is very uh, competitive. And so it's, it raises a lot of questions. And I think it's, that's why we, you know, that's why you and other candidates are running that, you know, to to bring more transparency to government. I think that's uh, important. And we had another issue like that, which actually really affects your district quite a bit. And that's the issue of gerrymandering came up again um, uh, this week. Uh, you know, as you know, the, the county GOP uh, broke their promises last year to form an independent redistricting commission, then said that they were gonna come up with their own plan and never really did. And then this week uh, forced a start to the redistricting commission, which has six months to get going. And the only reason they're doing it is so they could be prepared to force a new plan down, down uh, voters' throats if Democrats take control of the legislature. Because then if Democrats took control of the legislature, it would have to be a bipartisan plan, not a partisan plan. And um, your district 
was the poster child for gerrymandering during 10 years ago. The, the paper called it the Crab District uh, because of its unique shape. It was altered quite a bit uh, from its previous district and has so many different communities, north side of Syracuse. Salina, Maddie, it's Maddiedale, right? It's the Salina, Maddiedale area. And then uh, parts of North Syracuse uh, in, in, in Cicero and then into DeWitt for just one little tiny district. Nobody knows why. Uh, you know, so you know, what, what are your thoughts about this move this week by the county Republicans to start to be districting commission? And, 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 and you know, what would you like to see out of uh, the county redistricting process. Yeah, so this it, to me is just an, another way for them to, to ensure they've got a heavy hand in this process, right? So they're, they're gonna make sure that they're not relinquishing any type of, re, of say in the redistricting. The, um, my, my district was heavily gerrymandered 10 years ago to keep the long-term Republican in power, who was in power, and very carefully counted the votes and and cut up lines to make sure that it stayed that way. Um, and now, ten years later, fast forward, you know, some of our voting demographics have changed. We've had um, some more folks leaning Democrat, thankfully, and um, it's not looking as good for them. So I have a feeling, again, that this district would be another district uh, that would would have quite a lot of changes. Um, and, you know, I do think it needs change. When I'm going door to door, um, yep, I'm all the way up to Cicero um, Route 31 uh, along 11. And so those folks have a very specific set of needs and concerns. And then into, you know, North Syracuse in the village and Salina, Mattydale, Lincourt area, those folks have a whole different set of concerns. And, um, and then talk about my area into it, which has a whole nother set of concerns. And then uh, my little piece of the North side that really has a, a whole different. So trying to have one representative that's going to give voice to all of these people in a way that shares their concerns, their needs to the county is really difficult. Just trying to to know and understand their needs is really difficult because it's at least four distinct <laughs> communities that have very distinct needs. So talking with folks, um, you know, that's been my primary focus is just getting to know what each area needs and what their biggest concerns are, what they think their biggest challenges are. You know, talking with folks up by 31 and 11, they're talking about traffic and um, businesses up there. People in Maddiedale are talking about um, the 81 project. And, you know, it's just a very different, very different communities and they need better representation. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the redistricting commission. I have a lot of questions. Um, it seems that the Republicans have already said that they want to only do small changes and they, because the districts work well. And I don't think anybody that can look at that map can take, say with a straight face that the districts work well. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, we have a meeting this week and uh, we'll see what the, the suppose, you know, I mean, I'm on the commission. My, my Republican counterpart is on it. Dave Knapp, who's the chair of the ledge is on it. We're the chartered members, but 
they also put people on the commission, and uh, they see the Republicans, you know, the Democrats put forward a, a, a professor who has a PhD in geography. Uh, they had three days to come up with this person, and they found it. Uh, I, I I didn't even know her before this. I, she she sounds like an incredible uh, person, and I'm looking forward to working with her. But the Republicans put up the attorney who represents the county executive uh, and a a tavern owner who uh, you know has given who's supposedly independent, but has held fundraisers and given money to Republican candidates. So you know this promise that it was going to be an independent commission by them just has not uh, come true. But we are where we are, and we're going to have to fight, uh, you know, to uh, have the public be heard. And once we find out when the public schedules are on that, we'll have to let people know. Um, but back to your race, Jana, this is one of the the top races in the county. I think uh, you've really got out there and, and, and made the case. It's a highly targeted race. Um, you know, but you're also campaigning in the middle of COVID. I mean, COVID has affected every part of our life, but not just, uh, uh, you know, what you want to do when you get in this legislature, but how you're getting in. So what's it like to campaign uh, with the Delta variant raising its head? Yeah, you know, it's, it's presents some challenges for sure. So people are less and less willing to come to the door and talk face to face, even with masks on or people aren't wearing masks and then are you comfortable um, talking with them not wearing a mask um, and then trying to plan events you have to be very cautious um, making sure that you know your events are outdoors or places that are appropriate to have a group of people meeting um, you know as a school leader I'm super super cautious about those things because I come in contact with 250 students every day and some of them are vaccinated some of them aren't and so I don't want to be carrying anything over to anyone else even though I'm vaccinated um, I am exposed to <laughs> quite a bit every day um, and my own son tested positive uh, for COVID just uh, last week oh, um, yeah I'm so yeah. sorry how scary He's fine. He just tested negative, so he can get back to school, thankfully, next week. Um, but he he had a double, he had strep throat and COVID. So, um, you know, things happen, and then we were quarantining and we're isolating at home and all that fun stuff. So it everything impacts the campaign trail, and I try to be very thoughtful about how. I'm doing things so that I'm not um, impacting anyone else and also that they're feeling comfortable, you know, when, when I'm talking to them either in person at, at an event or at their door or over the phone. So, you know, we, we've kind of touched on this a little bit during the podcast, but if you are successful, when you are successful, when you win this November, what are some of the things that you're hoping to do in your first term, um, you know, uh, on the county legislature? Well, you know, I think a lot will depend on what what happens in these next couple months. But ideally, I, I would like to roll up my sleeves and get to work in um, with this COVID relief funding and um, redistricting um, if we're if that, you know, happens in a, in a way that I can have input. Um, but also, I think the priority needs to be in healthcare and mental health. 
Um, you know, my, my own family has experienced some struggles with mental health and we don't have facilities available. We're, we're weeks of, of waiting for a, a bed at a mental health facility. You know, that's not acceptable. That's not helpful to anyone um, when, when you have an emergency need. So that has to, that has to get better um, for sure. And that's one of my prime motivators as well as, you know, I, I am an educator. So that is always a, a focus of mine, making sure our schools are um, funded and able to move forward and recover from COVID as well. Um, but also making sure just that our communities are heard. I think, I do think the 81 project is gonna be a continual thing that we're gonna have to work through and making sure that the solutions we have in place for it are in place and, and we're ready to move on from them. We're not gonna keep discussing more and more possible solutions at this point. It's been rehashed and rehashed and we need to take that solution and move forward and then figure out the, the question right now, the discussion right now should be on how we're supporting our communities with that solution, not bringing up more and more solutions. So, um, you know, Mattydale and parts of Salina are very impacted by that as well as parts of DeWitt are impacted by that. So that is something that I will be um, definitely looking to make an impact on. Well, Jana, I always close these interviews around the half hour mark. We're getting close to there right now, but uh, uh, but I also close with one question. What haven't we talked about? What is something that is important to you or something uh, we'd like to know about you that we haven't been able to uh, to discuss all that much uh, on the on the podcast here? What do you want the voters to know that that I haven't been able to get out there? Um, so I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest piece of me is, is in education. So making sure that our schools are uh, prepared and, and able to move forward and recover, it, it is not as simple. And I think we've all seen this fall, it's not as simple as just opening the doors and going back to five days in person. Um, so there's a lot that needs supporting around that. There's a lot um, with our students and our families that need support with going back. There's a lot of folks struggling with that mental health piece of coming back to school five days a week and the anxiety and um, things like that that go right along with that, uh, that needs, they need help and they need support. And that's, that's my biggest um, concern right now, my biggest focus, as well as, you know, as a parent and a mother, I have two kids of my own and making sure that they have all of the things they need, you know, to move forward and, and being part of our, our community and making sure we're getting out there, we're listening, we're supporting our communities is, is just the most important thing to me. Well, Jenna, I also know that, uh, you know, education has been a uh, uh, kind of a running uh, theme along with healthcare workers in the candidates that are running this year. You know, uh, Dr. Chanel Benson has an education background in 14. Your neighbor district, right above you, right? Uh, and, uh, um, uh, and, you know, and, and also, uh, you know, healthcare workers are running. So I think that's very important. But I think you're the only one that is a musician that is running, right? Yes. How many instruments do you play? Well, uh, I play all of them. Right, okay. <laughs> As a music teacher, I was instrumental music. So I, I do play all of them. I don't play them all equally well though. 
Um, my primary instrument is cello and then um, violin, viola, and bass. I, I play probably the best out of the rest of them. Uh, so yeah, those are uh, big important pieces of my life. Um, you know, my kids play instruments, my husband plays instruments. And so that that is always there, never goes away. It's always a great, um, great thing to come back to. And it's, you know, just to have that release and self-expression is wonderful. As somebody who tried to play instruments when he was younger, I know how to read music, but I, I, I don't have the dexterity for it. And I always am in envy of people who can play not only instruments, but multiple instruments. So I wanted to bring that up because I think that's awesome. Uh, but, uh, Jana, I want to thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, do you have a website? Are you on Facebook, Twitter? What, where, where can people find you? Yes, all of the above. So uh, com is my website. And then I also have Facebook and Twitter as well. All right, and you can find it all at your website. Uh, yep. I, you know, please go there and find out more about Jana. Uh, and, you know, we're getting into the, into the end of the campaign here. So as always, I like to end these interviews urging you to go get vaccinated. This Delta variant that is coming up is um, and that is still rearing its head. Our caseloads are higher than they've ever been in many on many of these days, and in uh, in that even in pre-vaccine days, it's higher than there. The hospitals yesterday were put on diversion in Syracuse, New York. That means the beds were full, and they had to go to other places here, right here in Onondaga County. Our caseloads are some of the highest in the nation. So please get the vaccine. That is the best way to uh, um, uh, to to help. And if you can get a booster, get your booster. Yeah, I was about to say, and the booster. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 also, I have been starting to wear masks indoors. Uh, I, you know, I started that back in August. Um, you know, and I think that that is uh, a responsible thing to do in our community. We know that masking works because it worked before the vaccine. And uh, and as we're getting into winter, when we're starting to go more and more indoors again, it's going to become more uh, important that those of us who can uh, mask up indoors to protect each other. Uh, but also uh, remember, if you're going to vote this year, you have to mask to go into your polling places. Uh, we will be enforcing mask uh, requirements. There's a recommendation from CDC and the State Board of Elections on that. Uh, so you will be, and most of our polling places are schools or town halls uh, that already require masking. So we will be enforcing those masking mandates. So please bring your mask to the polling place. We'll have uh, a supply for those who forget, but those supplies are limited. And uh, we uh, want to make sure that you can cast your vote and keep everybody safe. So thank you very much for coming to Zoom with Zarni today. Thank you again to my guest, Jana Rogers, running for District 5, uh, which is North side of Syracuse, uh, northeast side of Salina, uh, southwest side of Cicero, and the uh, area of DeWitt. Um, and uh, you know, check it out, check her out online. And uh, and please remember to cast your vote this fall uh, as safely as possible. Thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye bye.